is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be with our listeners and you again today. I know you missed me while I gallivanted around Brazil uh, as I prepared to speak at an immigration lawyer conference in Rio. I missed you, yes. You missed you. <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed my pictures coming from uh, what is really a very beautiful country. Although it's very awkward for me since I speak Spanish fluently. Uh, you'd think I'd be perfectly fluent in Portuguese, but uh, i got to tell you, it's, uh, it's a different language. That's why they call it a different language. And uh, so you find yourself understanding about a third of what people are talking to you about, and you're nodding your head saying, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah, and you have no idea what they're saying <laughs> at the end of the day. But, David, uh, big day last night. Why do these things always happen at night? Right when you're getting ready to go to bed. That's what I want to know. So nobody will know about it. Well, it's like why does, you know, they release stuff on Friday afternoons. Because everybody in the newsroom went home. Uh, but yesterday, at, late yesterday afternoon, early evening, the Fifth Circuit, your buddy, uh, Jerry Smith, finally issued the decision in the DAPA case. And I know you're excited to hear about what that was. Or I know, David, you read my Facebook, so you already know what I think of what happened at that. Um, but this was uh, entirely expected. We had talked in a previous show, David, about um, uh, the two reasons why the Fifth Circuit seemed to be taking such a long time to make a decision. One possibility, however remote it might have been, was that Jerry Smith was trying to figure out to explain how he changed his mind between May and uh, in October or November. Uh, and the other very real possibility and the likely outcome uh, was the fact they wanted to delay the decision long enough to deprive the Obama administration of their ability to appeal this in this term of the Supreme Court. Uh, and uh, it looks like they may have been listening. And we weren't the only ones complaining about that, but there were lots of people very much starting to question the integrity of, uh, of the Fifth Circuit in delaying the decision in this case, uh, given the fact that decision was basic was almost guaranteed to be verbatim to the decision that had been issued back in May, because you had the same two conservative justices, the the two most conservative justices as well, on the Fifth Circuit uh, in the majority on this case in May, and hearing it again uh, now uh, in in July, and then the decision in November, when they only took three weeks to make the decision back in May. I mean, it was it was very quick, and it was the same case. Nothing really changed. So the Fifth Circuit comes out, and uh, this time uh, Jerry Smith uh, writes the decision. I know you're excited about this. For all the listeners who don't know, uh, Jerry Smith and David are big buds. Actually, they're acquaintances from their youth is what they yeah, are. Yeah, I don't say big buddies. I, I mean, uh, Jerry, I would assume Jerry would remember my name at this point. Uh, I used to know somebody with that name. But his... Um, his father was our accountant, had a great uh, CPA firm, and was our family accountant, all of our family. He's a bit older uh, than you, though, isn't he? Jerry? Yeah. No, he's, we're he's the same age. Same age? Okay. Yeah. All right. And, uh, so you're Jerry like, and I went 75, to... 76? I don't... I'm really, sorry, what? 75, 76? I don't recall what that That's, was. Just it's just not really out. nice. Uh, um, no, we're, we're in our... 60s. 60s, yes. Okay. We're under the 7-0. So he, he write, they write a decision. Now, the decision when it comes out, David, and this is true for most court decisions where there are multiple justices or judges, is there is an, if it's not unanimous, there is almost always a dissenting opinion. Uh, in this case, the combined length of the majority and dissenting opinions is 135 pages. You know what's really funny about that? 
length of this decision? Because the briefs are typically limited to about 35 pages in, in most circuits. So uh, they can go on and on and on all they want about what their opinion is, but they don't really want to hear it from the lawyers as the lawyers are advocating the case. Now, this case has been paid a lot of legal attention over the last four months, and really since it was filed back in February. Uh, and here we are with two district court opinions, two circuit court opinions, and now what looks like it's going to be a Supreme Court case. But I really want to focus, David, on what this really means. Nobody, nobody was surprised that Jerry Smith and Jennifer Elrod came out and found that the district court judge in this case was correct in uh, enacting a, an injunction stopping the nationwide implementation of, uh, of the DAPA and DACA, DAPA memorandum and the expansion of DACA memorandums. Um, the court, uh, in Jerry Smith's opinion, uh, gave four principal reasons for doing this. Now, they had, they had to do a certain level of things. So the majority opinion had to go through some real machinations. Okay? They first had to find uh, that the plaintiffs in this case had what's called standing. That is, the state of Texas, along with other states including Georgia, had, had the right to sue. Uh, the case had to be what's called judici justiciable. Uh, uh, the judiciality of the case depends on whether, whether the courts can even get involved in a case. Uh, the, the judiciality of a case depends on whether the case is political or not. For example, you never see the courts weighing in on foreign policy decisions of the government because it's not an area in which the courts have any jurisdiction. So the question here is, was there any real basis for the court to get involved, have to have standing? Uh, the second is that the case uh, must be reviewable under the APA. Um, third, they had to find that the DAPA memorandum itself was actually a substantive rule rather than a mere policy change. Because if it's a substantive rule, it must comply with the APA. And then it had to find that the DAPA memo was not authorized by statute and is a substantive violation of the APA. So there's a lot of, lot of machinations that the court had to go through. But the most, I think the most remarkable of the things that the Fifth Circuit found here was that the state of Texas actually had standing. Um, it, I bet you you'd be hard-pressed to name on even two fingers, perhaps even one finger, another case in which a state has challenged uh, effectively the regulations issued by an executive branch officer. Now, David, I want, on this, I want to go to your favorite issue, Obamacare. Okay. Now, we've talked in our show, many, and I know you have many other shows that talk about Obamacare and, and the evil that will destroy America. But what states have successfully sued the Obama administration stopping the implementation of Obamacare? None. Right? And yet that's the most... That's the issue they pay the most attention to in America today, at least in certain in, in the same states that are suing over over DAPA. So you have to wonder what's different about DAPA that couldn't be had for Obamacare. Uh, what injury, what problem uh, is is the state having the right to sue over? Um, and that's really the key. I mean, because with, without that, there is nothing else there. There is no case. There's no nothing. If the state doesn't have standing to move forward. Um, uh, they have no basis to even bring a lawsuit about this. So what the Fifth Circuit did here was something extraordinary. So extraordinary 
that there is literally no precedent for it in American law. Zero. Now, you have to take a step back here. Uh, do you know the reason why courts of appeals exist? Sure, to hear from the lower courts. To hear the mistakes and correct the mistakes of the lower courts, right? So why does the Supreme Court exist? To hear the mistakes of the... <laughs> correct the mistakes of the circuit courts, right. That's why the people shouldn't be upset by the fact that this came down, if they're concerned about DAPA going to effect, because really the only decision that matters at this point is that of the Supreme Court. What's remarkable about that is the Supreme Court would need to find the exact same analysis, this creation, it would literally have to create a right of the states to sue the federal government whenever it did not like a policy decision of the federal government. Can you imagine the floodgates that this opens up? Now think about it. If this is really the case, anytime a president does something or an executive officer does something that a state does not like, according to this case, they now have a right to go to federal court and get a judge to intervene. That, David, is unique in American jurisprudence. It's literally invented out of whole cloth. Now, I don't want to say it's invented out of whole cloth. There is one thread that they used here. Um, and uh, this thread is its a remarkable thread because it comes out of a single phrase, one single sentence of a case from the Supreme Court from 2007 called Massachusetts versus the APA. In the Massachusetts versus the APA case, uh, the Supreme Court was deciding about whether the Massachusetts government could sue the APA over a rule that was going to impact certain tax issues and other things in the state. Uh, and in that case, the Supreme Court has held that Massachusetts had standing to challenge the EPA's decision not to regulate greenhouse gases. So basically, the EPA was, going to, was saying in 07, we're not going to regulate greenhouse gases. Massachusetts, run at the time by a liberal uh, government, uh, said, duty. That impacts our air. When you say you're not going to regulate greenhouse gases, that impacts our state directly. And the Supreme Court said that there is standing uh, for the case to sue. And they did this based uh, on, on a phrase that used the term uh, quasi-sovereign interests. Um, but they didn't do it based upon Massachusetts quasi-sovereign and a provision of the Clean Air Act. Uh, the court recognized only that authorization was critical importance to the standing issue, and that Massachusetts provides little instruction about what's the phrase special solicitude. Um, so based upon this one phrase of um, special solicitude and some sort of uh, uh, a quasi-sovereign interest that Massachusetts had in the EPA not regulating greenhouse gases, this court has found that the state of Texas has the right to bring a lawsuit against a policy, not a rule, but a policy issued by the administrative branch, and then they move forward on their claims that this was improperly done. Uh, I, I simply don't think, um, and, I, I, and I'm joined by uh, uh, the, uh, the Fifth Circuit uh, uh, judge who eloquently wrote her dissent in this case and then just echoed uh, the previous dissent, so Judge King wrote about this. Um, she's one of the senior members of the Fifth Circuit, been around for a very long time. She's, of course, a Democrat. I mean, that's, let's not kid ourselves here. Um, but I, she was, I think, just absolutely appalled that the Fifth Circuit would do this. Because here's what's interesting. The Fifth Circuit had already heard 
a DACA case similar to this, and it ruled out there's no there's no standing here. There's no basis to move forward here. You can't get a read. So the Fifth Circuit not only created a right out of a, a literally a strand of thread from a Supreme Court case from almost a decade ago, but they ignored their own precedent on whether there was a justiciable controversy in this case. David, it's a remarkable legal leap. It's a remarkable legal leap, uh, which is why I am convinced the Supreme Court will absolutely strike it down. On that ground alone, I don't think they're even going to get to the AP issue. I think they're going to find that there is no justiciable controversy here. And that this creation, this, this creation of whole cloth, uh, a, a, a legal right uh, and, and a judicial controversy to exist will simply disappear this lawsuit. Quickly, let me ask you a question. If it is a stalling matter, so the DOJ would have to take this decision to the Supreme Court, right? and the soonest it would be heard would be as Obama was leaving office or Obama's out of office. Well, we're going to get to that at the end of the show because that's really important. I want to make sure we talk about the decision first. So we're going to talk about what this means to the Supreme Court and what happens. So if you don't mind me putting off your answer to your question, I will answer it. Hey, you know, it's your show. <laughs> so now do we have to take a break? We have a couple more minutes before we take a break. We, we, we okay for one more minute? Okay. So this phrase uh, about a special solicitude exists only once in the majority opinion in the Massachusetts case. The Supreme Court has never talked about it again. So literally a complete invention from Jerry Smith's imagination. This is what has to happen. In order to fulfill the fantasy of shutting down Obama's plans, uh, they literally have to create legal authority. Now, in, in Texas terms, I think they call that bootstrapping. Uh, now, for those of you who don't own cowboy boots, uh, there are straps on cowboy boots to pull them up. And sometimes, because they don't put themselves on. So bootstrapping is you having to pull yourself and pull these on to yourself because they're not going to fit otherwise. And that's how you get your feet into smaller shoes. Uh, now, David, there is a second reason that we're going to talk about as soon as we take come back from this break about why the majority's ruling is just absolutely nuts. We'll be back on the Immigration on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. This is Daryl Pullis, inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, perhaps the most listened to immigration podcast in the known universe. I'm not really quite sure, David. You let me know. Um, we got good numbers, David. We appreciate everybody who listens, by the way. If you're a new listener, you can also sign up on iTunes because we publish it on iTunes, usually within a couple of days, right? If it's up on iTunes, David, you listen on iTunes and uh, listen to the whole series of years of, uh, of prior podcasts. So, for example, if you were stuck on a desert island with nothing to do, you could download all the podcasts and the try to figure out a way off the probably get you, that'll get you to get off that island very very quickly. Uh, so uh, Judge King, she talks more about uh, the majority's ruling because, in her opinion, it, it raises serious separation of power concerns. Um, now, David, these are Article th- what we call Article Three judges, which are life basically lifetime appointment judges, uh, all approved by Congress, and. The standing, whether somebody has standing to bring a lawsuit, uh, is really typically bound within the Article Three standing. Who has standing under Article Three, and this allows the judiciary to not become greater than it really is. The judiciary is the um, simply the arbiter of what is and is not legal according to the laws enacted by Congress. So overseen by the Constitution of the United States. So everything comes back to the Constitution, but as you know, the Constitution is relatively a short document, doesn't cover every topic, and so you have to go back to see whether something's something legal or not according to the Constitution by looking at the laws. Um, so in, in King's uh, uh, dissent, she calls it a breathtaking expansion of state standing. Now this is not a judge want to, uh, having read some of her former decisions, want to just use words like breathtaking and words like mistake. It's not a judge who does that. Um, I think she is clearly stunned uh, by by the majority, by King's and Elrod's decision, uh, to the point that um, uh, she is flabbergasted. I don't know she doesn't even what to say. Because the majority is claiming that the state that gets a special solicitude uh, is a very rare occurrence. And she, as she goes on to talk about the special solicitude um, uh, being a rare occurrence, and the reality is when a state um, feels it's been wrong, I mean, look at the state of Texas. They'll sue over anything, right, at this point? If they're upset about something, they're going to sue. That's, that's the new governor. He doesn't think we're going to go to courts so and we're going to sue. Uh, and if that's the case, this, this decision in which the Fifth Circuit resides is exactly the type of thing he needs to say, oh, I'm going to cite back to the DAPA case, state of Texas versus Obama. I'm going to go back and cite that case. Um, and uh, it's really interesting because she quotes uh, just uh, Circuit Judge Boob Rubin who said, any appellate decision worth publishing should not merely give a reasoned disposition of a particular matter. It should articulate a standard that can be applied by lawyers and judges. Basically what, what Elrod and Smith are saying is, look, this is a very special circumstance. This is like will probably never happen again. That's called a rail a railway ticket decision. Why? You only use it one time going one way. Okay, it's a railway ticket decision. Uh, and as a result of this, courts tend to not give railway tickets decision, particularly at the circuit court level, uh, because they can go ahead and say, well, you know, we're going to look at this on the most fundamental basis about why it should move forward. <coughs> David, I had to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry about that, my listener. I normally don't sneeze. And David, don't, you don't have a sneeze button, do you? If I know it's coming in advance. Oh, I may not have to say, David, I'm going to sneeze. Boom, like that. Uh, so this decision by, 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 the, by, by, uh, 
by just Judge Smith and Judge Elrod is really, in the first instance, stunning in in how it literally just willy-nilly grants the right to sue to the state of Texas. And I think that's what um, uh, Judge King is probably most upset about, although she goes on for many more pages after that to talk about you know, the true basis of the decision and why why everything about what the, the Justice what the King and what uh, Smith and Elrod says is completely uh, not based in, in the law. Are you, are you saying that a state doesn't have the right to sue the U.S. government? No, absolutely not. The state does have a right to sue the U.S. government when there's an actual controversy and when the Constitution so allows it. They do not have a right to sue the federal government whenever they feel like it on whatever executive office policy decisions exist. This is why elections exist. The courts are not the final say on policy that pertains to, for example, a, a federal government encompass rule like immigration. That's why the other courts exist. The courts don't say, Obama, this policy is not good. We're going to substitute our own policy. That's not the court's role. The court's role is to say that law or policy you pass is either within or without the realm of the Constitution or federal statute. What we're saying here is there is no legal basis for the state of Texas to actually bring this lawsuit on this particular issue. The Supreme Court said in Massachusetts, in that case, there in fact was a legal basis. In this, there isn't one. There just isn't. And when I, th- I think the Supreme Court will absolutely... Uh, rule on that exact issue, and we'll say exactly that. Uh, now, it's, is it going to be unanimous? I would say probably not. Uh, but I, I think at this point, uh, uh, the situation is really quite clear, that the state of Texas is really not in the position to sue at this point. Um, now, what's interesting but here... But wait a second. Okay. Eh, well, I don't, because you're, you're, you're going after strictly Texas. There's, what, 31 other states that are involved in this? 25 other states. 25 others? So all, what you're saying is all of those attorney generals and the attorney general for the state of Texas are all crazy. No, they're just and wrong. They're just wrong. They're just wrong. <laughs> now, David, so what about the other 24? Somebody's wrong, right? Somebody's wrong. Well, maybe... Uh, it's not, it's not, maybe not every state's not suing, so something must be wrong, right? So who's maybe, wrong? Maybe they're not. Maybe you the other states that, aren't faced with the uh, situation that... Uh, every state would be affected the exact same way as Texas, right? Because Texas is claiming, how would they affect you? Even you remember how they're affected, right? Oh, we have to give driver's, oh, driver's license, license, and yeah. it's going to cost us so much money. Oh, I'm crying crocodile tears. <laughs> when they could just charge the actual fee and nobody would care. So, and every that would affect every state. So, why did oh. 24 states say no? Because I th- I think that uh, in politics, many cases. It's turned into politics, right, wrong, or indifferent. Obama, does he really have the right to issue the executive orders that he has? And the answer is yes, he does. Um, and who challenges that? Who, who, is in the, who is in the position to change executive decisions? Which part of government's job is that? Congress. Congress, exactly. Congress. But Congress can't come to a decision. That means we have a, and this is what plagued Democrats during the Bush administration. I mean, this is not unique to Obama. You, you can defy and, and, and say horrible things about Obama all you want. The reality is he's doing exactly what Bush did, expanding. We have a 
the authority was a spider jumping out of the ceiling. <laughs> David, you need to get some bug spray in here. Uh, this is exactly what Democrats were saying about about Bush. They're both expanding the power of the presidency, but they, don't, they can only expand it if Congress allows them to. If Congress got together, a Republican Democrat said, you're not going to let this, is crazy. We control the laws. We're the ones enact the laws. Let's act. But they hate each other so much they won't talk, which empowers the executive branch. And the executive branch, you know, is beholden to Congress, of course, and to the courts if it violates the Constitution. There's no constitutionality here of this issue. Um, so the Supreme Court, the, 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 the Fifth Circuit then had to find, after it found that Texas had standing to actually bring the lawsuit, uh, they had to find that, uh, that the, there was actually uh, a controversy here. There was actually a basis in which uh, the lawsuit could be brought. And uh, what's interesting about this is, as Judge King goes through the memo itself, um, that DAPA itself gives no benefit. Here's what's interesting. Oh, President Obama issued, I think at this point, 13, and he didn't issue them. Let's all, let's all, they weren't executive orders. These are, these are uh, policy memos issued by the DHS director. Uh, one of those was what we call an enforcement priorities memo, David. And they said, here's what we're going to deport. We have three levels of priority. First priority, we're going to deport basically really bad criminals. Okay, Let's call them aggravated felons, people who have felonies. Two. We're going to deport people who have significant misdemeanors or DUIs. And three, we're going to deport anybody who has an order of deportation after January 1, 2013. They said everybody else, absent some sort of special circumstance, will not be deported. Now, we, we found out that's not true, but that's what the policy memo says. Why didn't the states sue on that policy memo? They didn't. And their big complaint is Obama's not enforcing the law. Well, why don't you why don't you sue on the on the only policy memo that talks about enforcing the law? Why didn't you sue them on that? Hmm. Because they would lose. It's pure policy. Just like the DAPA memo is pure policy. Texas is arguing, wait a second. There are serious benefits that come from uh, a DAPA. Well, what is a serious a work permit? Okay. You have a work permit. As if these people aren't working already. Okay. Two, well, now we have to give you a driver's license. You don't have to. Pass the law says nobody who's not gets a driver's license. Go ahead, try it. Now, you'll probably fail. Under equal protection, you're going to lose, but you can try. Or three, charge DAPA recipients or every Texan the full. Why are people subsidizing the cost of a driver's license in a Republican led government? David, I thought all for one... No, no, what is that? None for all and one for me. Isn't that the policy of the GOP at this point? Uh, why should I subsidize your work? Why should my tax dollars go to pay for your driver's license? Just because you're too lazy to pay for it? I mean, that's, that's, that's the logical extension of their argument. So they, they literally created the, their own damage. We had a whole show on this before. They create their own damage. And there were numerous decisions from the courts... Supreme Court of Now, you can't create your own damage and then complain you're, you're injured. Uh, so there is nothing here. The, the logic here of the court's decision uh, of the majority simply doesn't, literally doesn't hold water. Uh, now, the court, now, now, that the, now that the Fifth Circuit found both that there is standing 
and that there is a controversy. Hey, I'm damaged here because I have to pay this. I mean, I'm going to incur this massive cost of driver's licenses here in here in Texas. And by the way, they threw out a number like four million. They got to get a four million licenses. It's an insane number, uh, not based in any reality whatsoever. Um, and by the way, an argument the Fifth Circuit already rejected in a similar case on DACA. So again, a, a real a real policy problem here. Um, the justices then go into whether, in fact, the Administrative Procedures Act or the APA actually applies here. And so this goes where this goes to where the uh, the majority had to find that the DAPA memo constituted a substantive rule. But you start by looking about whether it's a substantive rule by looking at what, David? What what determines whether a policy memo is simply a policy or a substantive rule? The wording of the memo. You look at the words. Uh, as I want to say, words have meaning. <laughs> so words have meaning. So you look at the policy memo itself, and the policy memo frequently refers to discretionary work, case-by-case determinations, ultimate judgment determined on a case-by-case basis. All those things that are rife throughout the policy memo on DAPA would tell you that it's not a substantive rule change. Um, And yet, the majority lashes on to statistical evidence which is not correctly analyzed in saying, well, DACA was the same way and everybody got DACA. Well, no, it's like everything else, David. DACA was self-selecting. Only people who thought they qualified would apply. It wasn't like everybody wins the lottery. Oh, look, your chances of winning the lottery are, are one in a billion. Well, what if only one person played and there was only one number combination? Then your chances of winning the lottery would be 100%. So why would you play the lottery at that point? Why wouldn't you play the lottery? The DACA was the same way. Okay, let's take a break here on the immigration. I'll be back to continue our analysis of Judge Smith's decision. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. All right, back on the Immigration Hour in America's Web Radio. We were talking about the idea about whether the APA applies. Now, we're going to get into this in our last segment, but uh, about what Obama can do on the APA. 
But Obama's position is the APA doesn't, and I agree that the APA does not necessarily apply to this language, okay? The policy memo is not a line in the sand. It doesn't remove all discretion from agency employees. In fact, it directs CIS to actually create criteria, which we know they did for DACA, which they did not publish, which we only found out about after cases were denied. We did FOIAs, and we looked at how they looked at stuff. Um, and what's stunning about this is that the majority literally ignored the plain language of the, me- of the memo and concluded that its discretionary aspects were, quote, merely pretext. Um, it's, to me, that's just stunning. It's, 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 again, another reason, even if the Supreme Court got beyond standing, even if the Supreme Court got beyond justiciability, they will not get past the APA. Uh, this is not an APA-specific type of memo, generally speaking. Uh, Judge Higginson talked about that in his dissent from the first time, that presidents like governors and legislators often describe a law enthusiastically, yet defend the same law narrowly. I mean, that's, that, to, to the point, uh, it's, DAPA itself will absolutely be interpreted by agency employees, just like DACA has been, very narrowly. And we're seeing lots of DACA denials now on discretionary basis, even though kids were not mandatorily deniable. And there's no review of that. And if you're denied discretionarily, you, that's it. Your, your case is over. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see, as this case moves forward, uh, whether or not the Supreme Court even gets uh, to uh, the point uh, for uh, or even finding that the APA provides. One of the things I really loved about uh, Judge King's decision is specific attacks on the facts, the erroneous recitation of facts by the district court judge in this case, who appears to me to be a guy completely out of control because of his what can only be viewed as an unbridled hatred of Obama and his policies. I mean, I'm just curious whether if Bush had done the same thing, whether his unbridled hatred would have been would have been so manifest. Uh, the district court, she said, erred in a mischaracterization of a letter written by Leon Rodriguez, director of USAS, to Charles Grassley, sending, suggesting the four top reasons for Danaka denials were wrong forms, wrong signature, failed to file, and below the age. This is not a letter. What the letter says, the letter actually says the four top reasons for rejections, not denials. I mean, there's a difference between rejections and denials. A document request is rejected when it has a fatal flaw. It's denied when the threshold guidelines are not met um, and discretion is exercised against the individual. It's, it's, it's a massive factual error, um, but it was an error supported by uh, the head of the National Citizenship and Immigration Services Council, which is a union representing USCIS employees processing DACA cases, which, by the way, is not a mandatory union, and, and you have to look at who actually belongs to this union. I'd love to get a copy of their roles to see who its members actually are. My guess is that it does not include every person uh, that works at USAS. In fact, it likely includes probably a minority of those people. It's a made-up union. Uh, Ken Palinkas, we'd love to have you on the show one day to talk about um, what this union is and who actually is a member and actually who supports your positions that are employees of the government. Um, now, getting on to the, the, the final parts of uh, Judge uh, King's decision, we really have to look at 
whether or not there's a substantive claim made here as part of it. Uh, now, on appeal, she says, the parties offered only sparse arguments on a substantive APA claim. Briefs were 203 pages. Ten of those pages addressed the substantive ABA claim. Um, this hardly seems to be enough for help to us answer a complicated question of statutory terms of administrative law. I would not address the claim in light of this limited record with the belief that the cases are to be decided on the narrowest legal grounds available. So she wouldn't even reach the APA argument, which I think is what the Supreme Court will ultimately do and find that the APA simply does not apply in this case. Um, Judge Smith, Judge King, puts the blame uh, on any perceived level of enforcement or lack of enforcement on Congress's shoulders when she said that Congress's choices as to level of funding for immigration enforcement have left DHS with difficult prioritization decisions. But those decisions, embodied in the DAPA memo, have been delegated to the Secretary of Homeland Security by Congress. In her opinion, federal courts should not inject themselves into such matters of prosecutorial discretion, and she would dismiss the case as non-judiciable. Um, now, one of the last things um, that she said here, the last part of her decision, which I think is really a slap in the face to uh, David's buddy Jerry Smith, is this, uh, where she says, "I have a." Uh, she says, "Today's opinion preserves the error made by the district court, and by reaching the substantive APA claim, propounds its own error." Then she says this quote. I have a firm and definite conviction that a mistake has been made. But here is the last part. That mistake has been exacerbated by the extended delay that has occurred in deciding this, quote, expedited appeal. And that, David, is where it gets to your question. She says here, there is no justification for that delay. You know what that means? Her dissent was written months ago. And the majority has been sitting on issuing this decision. So the question then becomes, David, why did the majority wait? And your, your question goes right to this point. What will happen now? Well, if they had waited till maybe Friday to issue this decision, I would tell you now there is no chance that DAPA will see a court at the, a day at the Supreme Court until President Clinton is inaugurated uh, in January 2017. Um, or President Carson. I don't really know which one's going to win at this point. Uh, but because they issued the decision on Monday evening, uh, there is, may still be time. The Supreme Court, David, does not have a docket by which they say, by X date, all uh, petitions for cert must be to us for us to consider it for this term. Now, the term of the Supreme Court begins October 1st, and this is the 2015, 2016, or 2016 term of the Supreme Court ends in uh, June of 2016 before they go on their vacations. They accept cert petitions all year long, but when you file it, will determine when it might be heard if they take it. Uh, last year, the last case heard in oral argument by the Supreme Court was the gay marriage case, the Oberfeller case. Uh, that petition for cert was filed on November 15th. Now, you go back the year before the last case heard, that petition for cert was filed around November 9th which was a couple days, which was yesterday. So there still may be time for the Solicitor General to file the petition for cert with the Supreme Court by, let's say, by Friday. 
and there's still maybe room on the court's docket, and a lot of brilliant minds, more brilliant than mine, are looking at the court's docket to see whether there's room to hear our argument on this, to hear this argument by the end of April, so a decision could be made by the end of June. So there is still, let's call it a 70% chance that the Supreme Court could hear this case while Barack Obama is president of the United States. Um, now, why is that important? Or why isn't it important? Uh, a lot goes to politics. Now, first of all, if I'm a Solicitor General, and I know, I mean, I know this case is coming down, I know what the decision is going to be, do I already have my petition for writs ready to go? I mean, a good Solicitor General would have it ready to go, right? If they really want to appeal it. If they were really concerned about this policy. And they really didn't want to play politics with this. The first tell of the Obama administration, whether this is really about politics or it's really about policy enforcement and presidential discretion, is whether or not that petition for cert will be filed this week. That's the tell number one. Okay, If they get it done, it's not necessarily about politics. If they don't get it done, it's all about politics because there's no excuse that it wasn't done at this point. Uh, second, you have to look at the issue about whether or not will the Supreme Court take this case. Uh, I think it's quite clear, given the policy ramifications, given what is what is clearly made out by the, the Fifth Circuit to be a wildly expansive interpretation of standing. I think the Supreme Court will have no choice but to take this case, other than the, you know, in addition to the fact that it involves a very important national issue, which they love to take cases on. Looking at the Supreme Court's makeup, uh, I think this is not a 5-4 decision. I don't. I think this could be a 9-0 decision overturning this case. Uh, or an 8-1 decision. Because of the standing issue. Standing is an issue in which the conservatives on the court are, in fact, very conservative about. Very conservative about Scalia himself provides some of the best arguments against what the Fifth Circuit just did. So I, I expect the Supreme Court, by certainly by a majority, if not a complete 9-0 uh, 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 decision, to overturn this decision if, in fact, it gets filed by next April. Oh, by next June, June 30th, by the end of the term. It obviously is going to be a very looked-at decision. Now, Dave, when we come back on our next segment... I want to talk about the politics of this and what Obama could do to make this all go away if he wanted to. So if you don't mind, we're going to take our break just a minute or so early, and then we'll come back on the Immigration Hour and finish up talking about Tate of Texas versus the DHS. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. This is Michael Gannett with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to Israel, the truth about the greatness of the Jewish state and its struggle for sovereignty and security, every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. 
Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration, Ameri- <laughs> Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, our longtime uh, radio partner here, and Dave, we're so grateful for David and his shows. Uh, there is, uh, by the way, lots of other uh, shows on America's Web Radio. And if you're interested in conservative talk radio, this is certainly the place to be. Um, by the way, David, we had a show a couple of years ago on the uh, the birther about issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yesterday again, I got a Google alert that I was quoted again on on the natural born citizen issue. So, David, th- those shows never go away. Uh, apparently, somebody made a YouTube video of our show. I don't know if that violates your copyright. I probably should send it to you. It may violate your copyright, right? Mm. Yeah, so I'll just, you may have to sue them about that. David, you should find a lawyer who can do that. Do you know any good lawyers? I, not to do that. Uh, <laughs> so, here we have, I wrote a blog in June, which followed up on a blog that I wrote in February about DAPA. Now, the Obama administration takes the position that the is not a regulation. I don't need to follow the APA. But if he really, really, really wanted DAPA to take effect, what would he do? If he really wanted it, he would publish the reg. He would write a reg, and he would publish it. Now, you can do this different ways. Under DACA, they but announced... But reg and law. <clears throat> the, the law lets him do this. There's no question, David that the president has authority to do this. The Fifth Circuit didn't say he didn't have authority to do it. They just said he did it wrong. I mean, let's be clear about this. The president's executive authority encompasses prosecutorial discretion to do exactly this. The Fifth Circuit did not disagree with that premise. All right, So he clearly has authority to do it. The question becomes how he does it. Now, when he issued DACA back in 2012... Basically, there was a policy memo, again, from the DHS. It's, hey, we're going to do DACA. But the day DACA became, day after day DACA became effective, they published regs. So they basically said, look, DACA was implemented as an emergency measure. Now here's our reg. And they went through the rulemaking process and published the reg on DACA and DACA work permits. There is nothing, zero, nada, stopping the president from publishing DAPA regs tomorrow other than one of two things. One, he truly believes he does not have to. And that he believes by caving in on this issue that they would have to issue more regs on other policy issues not related to the immigration area. Now, I think that that argument is laughable on its face. How about this reason for not publishing regs? Maybe it's just not that important to him. Maybe Having this come to the Supreme Court in the middle of presidential election season. Now, David, do you know when the uh, the GOP convention is, by the way? Convention? Yeah, for president, the convention this year. June or July? It's June. Okay, June. it's June. It's early. It's early June. The Dems, I think, is shortly thereafter this year. So if the Supreme Court hears this case, 
this term, and issues a decision this term, when will they issue it? Basically, at the same time as the GOP convention. So this becomes a major, a major electoral issue. Massive electoral issue. By the way, David, also submit to warm the cockles of your heart, there's another Obamacare case coming down that will also come out at the end of June, I am quite sure. So be prepared for that. So this then becomes a political issue. Obama rode his promise to pass immigration reform in his first year in office in 2008 to a massive electoral victory with the support of an overwhelming number of Latinos in 2008. In 2012, blaming a Republican Congress, even though he had control of Congress for two years on both sides, blaming a Republican Congress, he said, oh, no, really, we're really going to, look, we did DACA. So three months before the election, he publishes DACA. Hey, look at me. I'm doing something for the Dreamer kids. Ooh, not your parents. Oh, can't help your parents. Only Congress can help your parents. Sorry, guys, but vote for me and I'll make sure that happens. And then in 2014, he comes out in November, after the election, after the election in 2014, where they got drubbed, he says, hey, I'm going to help your parents. I know I couldn't say I couldn't help them before, but I was wrong. I can't help them. And here's how I'm going to help them. I'm going to give them work permits. I'm going to to create DAPA. Now, with DACA, he published regs. Why didn't he publish regs with DAPA? Why didn't he do it? That's the question the judge asked and found against him on in Texas, That's the question that the judges found against him in the Fifth Circuit. There is no case if there are regs. There just isn't. So on the day the district court ruled against him, February 16th, uh, 2015, he could have published regs the following week. He could have taken even the long way, six months, and we would have the regs today, and this Fifth Circuit case would be completely irrelevant, and people would be applying for DAPA today. If Obama applied today, if he began the APA today, six months from today would be the end of May, and we would have DAPA, and we wouldn't have the Supreme Court would rule it moot. It's a moot case. Thank you very much. Have a nice day, and it no longer holds any water. But he won't do that, and I believe it's because of politics. Obama sees this as a massive election issue to mobilize Latinos and Asians and other immigrant groups to support those who will kowtow and say, oh no, Congress is terrible. Rather than focusing on Congress blowing stuff up and not doing it, they're going to say, oh, you know, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't fix this for you. Only Congress can do it. Wait a second. Obama, you could fix this now. You could actually create DAPA as a regulation. It's not going to be overturned on appeal. It's not going to be challenged. No court's going to find it unconstitutional and outside of your authority. Why don't you do it? I think it's because he believes it helps a Democratic candidate for president to mobilize folks to vote for them in the next election, not believing that folks might not vote for them otherwise. And this is the great foolhardiness of the GOP. This is where the GOP just completely slams themselves in the head with a sledgehammer every single time they oppose stuff like this. Rather than coming out and saying, Obama's a terrible person, he's doing this, he's breaking the law, blah, blah, blah. All people hear is blah, 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 Obama, blah, blah, blah. They should come out and say, you know what, Obama, you're an idiot. We're going we're gonna to create a law, and here's what it's going to do. We're going to fix our immigration problem, and we're going to secure our border, and we're going to have internal enforcement, and we're going to make sure we have a proper way forward for immigrants coming to America legally, and we're going to help these people to keep their families united. 
Instead of doing that, which would then attract people to the GOP from the same groups that Obama's hanging this this dop of carrot out to, as if, oh, keep coming to me. Okay, here's your carrot. Here's I'm going to get the up. No, no, the courts. We got to wait for the courts this time. Just wait for the courts. Come get the carrot. Instead of that, they just say, here's the law. And yet, Speaker Ryan kowtows to the tail that wags a dog in the House. You know, the 45 crazy people who call themselves the, the Unfreedom Caucus who decide what policy is for the other 435 members of the House of Representatives. If Ryan had any guts or huevos at all, he would create immigration reform and he would throw this issue back on Obama and say, you're an idiot, you did it the wrong way, we're going to do it the right way, and we're going to do it, make good for people to protect those that are here, those that came legally, and those that are coming legally in the future. But the GOP drops the ball. every. It's like Obama says, here's the softball, I'm going to throw you the slow pitch, it's going to come in right about your belt level. Here it's coming. Whiff. They just whiff it every single time. It just stuns me, David, that, the, that, that Obama and the Democrats are doing this in a way that would be so easy to fix, but are intentionally, I believe, this is my opinion, David, does not reflect the views of my law firm or the America's Web Radio staff or employees, that they are doing this intentionally to create a political issue out of it. Do you agree or disagree, David? Come on. You can voice your concerns here. Well, I think everything uh, has become a political issue. They continue to make mountains out of molehills and distract from things that, uh, that, are, important. that are important and should be Fixed. addressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I like to call it the game of squirrel. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Up? No. Oh, you haven't seen Up, David. You must go see Up. Up is a story of a, of, of a couple who died childless, and the old man's all alone. She, she dies, and he's all alone, and uh, he comes along. This, this Boy Scout comes along, and they go on this great adventure, and, but they have a dog. Uh, and uh, the dog just kind of doofy, 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 squirrel! So whatever he's doing, he sees a squirrel, he just runs up to the squirrel. This is, what, this is like the game of squirrel. Hey, squirrel! Fifth Circuit, squirrel! Supreme Court, squirrel! rather than focusing on what actually could be fixed. And so you have a bunch of advocacy groups who are saying, oh, we're going to fight all the way to the Supreme Court. Why aren't they demanding that Obama publish a reg? Publish a reg. Publish it, Obama. Get it done. Secretary Johnson, publish the reg. Director Rodriguez, publish the reg. This is not rocket science. I could probably write this reg in a day. If you call me, I can have it to you tomorrow by 9 a.m. I'll get you the reg. It's easy to do. It's very easy to do. And yet, you won't do it. And that's, that's the great lie here, I think. That it's not just a, a GOP conservative attack on, on Obama's uh, liberal, wide-open, open-door policies. This is a failure of leadership of both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party to come together to fix a national problem that is easily fixable by ignoring the far extremes on both sides. The majority of Americans do not want to keep dealing with this. They don't want to keep hearing about this. They're kind of like Bernie Sanders. I'm tired of hearing about your damn emails. I'm tired of hearing about this. I've been doing this for 25 years, waiting for somebody in Congress to put on their big boy pants and pass immigration reform that helps everybody and makes America stronger for immigration and for security. And yet, David, an abdication responsibility by both parties. I think they were scared they'd run out of a topic to address. Exactly right. 
They're scared. They won't have anything to differentiate themselves on. They're afraid that nobody will vote for them because their ideas are weak, because their ideas have no foundation in the Constitution. That's why they keep these issues floundering out there, because it distracts us from the really important issues. How to continue... I, mean, I don't believe America's bad. I don't, I don't think Trump's an idiot. Can make America, I think America's great. But we can get better in a lot of different ways by fixing what I think are small issues that direct, distract our attention from the major issues. Uh, so, David, there's my take on the Fifth Circus decision. Uh, it took me an hour to get through that, but... Uh, that's okay. I don't. I don't mind talking for an hour. It's a good thing for me. Well, Jerry is coming over to meet you, but after today, he doesn't. I was going to invite him to, but I don't think he'd take my invitation. After today, he's going to say no. He's probably going to call you and say, "Hey, who's this dipwad on your show, <laughs> on your radio station?" <laughs> I, I doubt seriously that Judge Smith uh, has ever heard of America's Web Radio. I cannot believe you haven't sent him a link and said, "Jerry, it's, I, I see this decision you wrote today. You should listen to this podcast." You know. Interesting that you say that, and that uh, a number of years ago, a, fr- a friend of mine that, that we talk hometown every couple of two or three months asked if I knew, you know, what Jerry was doing, and he informed me of, you know, and that he had taken, he was one of the few people that had taken a stand against mm-hmm. Obama and stuff. And I said, no. So I, I did try to contact him. Mm-hmm. Therein lies a big joke. Oh, yeah. Uh, you don't get through to an appellate judge very no, you easily. Don't. And I think it's funny that somebody said, it's about time somebody said up to Obama, that's not a federal judge's job. Yeah. That's not, a, that's, that is a, if you believe that's right, then you don't understand the Constitution. That's not a federal judge's job. Well, David, until next week, we have our next show. I'll be here. I'm, I'm here through uh, uh, end of the month. We'll do shows every single week. Look forward to talking to you more about the fallout from this decision. Hopefully, we'll talk about the petition for rid of search you already in the Supreme Court, or maybe the DAPA regs. Until next week, this is Chuck Cook, the Immigration Hour, America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.